Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Plebeian Power Hour with your hosts, Tiffer and Kim. Today we're going to be talking about interesting events that have occurred, curious events that have occurred. Across history, really. <laughs> you know, I'm like, this is kind time. of a mishmash. <laughs> we love our mishmash. So what, what it kind of started, I think, is that you saw this crazy event that had happened and we're like yeah. oh this would be fun to talk about and then we said well let's talk about anything of anything that, that level of, of fun and odd, odd and, and fascinating has no good explanation to it and just kind of like almost like a mystery event yeah so let's world. start with that first one okay the event that i was really interested in is the tunguska event of 1908 So here's a little background. It was June 30th, 1908, and at 7.17 a.m., the local Russians claimed to have seen a bright light over Lake Baikal. And it was as bright as the sun, and it left a trail behind it. And as it moved towards the earth, there was then a large flash, a billowing cloud, a large pillar of fire that then split into two, and then turned in from fire to smoke. And then a few minutes later, something that sounded like artillery fire and a shockwave that destroyed 800 cubic miles of trees and broke windows and knocked people over. The windows I'm not sure about with that one because it was a very primitive place at the time. They did have homes that had windows. Okay. They just didn't have many windows. Because I didn't hear about windows on that mm-hmm. one, but there was an- another event where there were tons. But that one of the odd things about that one is it was so remote yes. that the scientists didn't get a chance to go look into it no, for it's like 15 years. So people didn't even really know about it. I mean, they knew about it because at the time there were seismic stations all over, not all over, but in Europe yep. and in Asia. And they read this event on the seismic stations. And it read in some places as high as a five on the seismic Richter scale. And another fascinating part of this, and one of the reasons this is such a controversy, is the night sky remained bright after this. Um, And what they think happened in this particular part, and this is all the way up into the Netherlands, like, you, I, I mean. So, going Sweden. going farther east or or west uh, from the event, in places like England and the Netherlands, there mm-hmm. were people who, in the middle of the night, were able to see things very clearly. Very clearly. Supposedly, there were photographs that were taken. Yes. That looked kind of like daylight. And I meant Scandinavia. I didn't mean the Netherlands even though I think it was also probably included because it was so bright and what they think it was is they think it was ice particles that had exploded into the air and then um oh my goodness I forgot what this is called um my son and I were talking about it but it's something that happens that when the ice particles form at low temperatures and that when noculus clouds I think is what it is and it's let, like space shuttles just do this too, and it creates these particular bright clouds. But there was so much that it was so bright, um, and it's left behind. So the the interesting part of this to me, or to everybody, is because it flattened eight hundred and thirty miles of trees, but there's no craters. There's no impact crater yeah. in the entire thing. And Soviet scientists performed experiments in the 1980s where they had, like, explosives and they had, like, a bunch of, like, matches lined up and and things like that to act as the trees. And they found, because there was one part where the trees were still standing, and then everything that radiated out from that, there's no, like, the trees are, are flat. Yeah, so the trees that were still standing, what they said with those is that, like, all the branches and stuff were, yeah, were completely off, off. And that just the trunks are just standing straight up. Right, and they think that that was directly under the yeah. blast because nothing was pushing it sideways. It was only pushing it down, and it with, 
stood in the trunk but didn't in the branches. And then as you as you go out, everything just tipped yeah. over. So then going out from that center, all the trees get pushed out from the center. So you can see the trees that are bent over, you know, Did they're, you they're pushed over. I saw the problem is is that all the pictures that I saw are modern and you can um. still see like a circle of where and there's not really standing trees in it, but you can see the circle of where oh, the impact see, was. But I'm so fascinated to look. And, and it was really interesting. But what they were saying at the time is that they, and I think my notes said that it was like a five mile um, section where those trees were standing straight wow. up. So five miles in diameter, two and a half mile radius. So the big weird part of this is that nobody can really tell what happened. So you have some scientists who are like, oh, it was a comet, and the comet exploded in the atmosphere, which in my ignorance, I think seems like the most reasonable explanation. But then there are others who are like, no, it wasn't a comet, it was an asteroid. And the difference between a comet and an asteroid is that there's a lot more water and or things that cause ice, <laughs> which I assume is water, but it could be other things. Um, and a lot of dust, and it's like compacted together. Yeah, it's not like a solid piece of rock, like an asteroid is a solid piece of rock. Um, but I had to look it up of what the difference between a meteoroid, a meteor, and a meteorite were. Did I had to look, look that up because I used to remember that stuff, and then I was like, okay, I better get a refresher because they're talking about asteroids and comets and meteors uh-huh. and meteorites and i thought okay let me go let me go double check that (laughs) stuff but a meteoroid is a space rock that is bigger than a grain of dust but smaller than an asteroid Mm -hmm. okay (laughs) and an asteroid is a rock in orbit generally between mars and jupiter like they have the belt the asteroid belt and sometimes it just bounces off and heads towards the earth a meteor is the streak of light that's seen when the space rock enters the atmosphere. So it's like when it's falling. Yeah. And then the meteorite is what's left and ends up that on it. hits the ground, mm-hmm. yeah. And I honestly had never known. I'm sure someone had told me. It just never stuck in my brain. Because I was like, what is the difference between a meteoroid and a meteorite? Just See, and I used to is. remember, and then I'm reading <laughs> this story, and I thought, okay. That- I know. My knowledge on that is gone. It's been a lot of years. But it was, it was interesting because if you, if you go through this and they're talking about like what it could have been and what it could have happened because and it could have been. This is, this is the one that I think happened. I think that a comet came and they even said that there could be like an extinct comet that has lost most of its ice and then it doesn't really have a tail even though people thought they saw the tail. Um, it comes into the atmosphere because meteorites, I mean, comets can also have some frozen gases associated in them. And so maybe those gases like ignited as it came through the atmosphere and then it exploded. And the reason there's not a big bunch of, of like an impact crater. Yeah, there's no, or any large rocks at all. Like there's no asteroid remnants, meteorites anywhere on on the ground that it exploded and completely exploded because the comets can be made of more of a softer material and a dusty material and are, are held together by the that would potentially gas. make sense one of the things that i read was that they have gone in and they found traces yes. of like nickel and but wouldn't that be in the space dust yeah they, yes. exactly mm-hmm. like and they were found in like the resin of trees yes. and in other places, but that, they never found like a big mm-mm. object. But my initial theory was because one of the eyewitness accounts was saying like he heard multiple sounds oh, yeah. and, multiple and that what sounds. happened was that the asteroid basically skipped across the atmosphere. And oh. that was my theory is that it came in at this angle that let it skip across and it broke apart, but the majority of it never, you know, I'm sure a lot of it burned up, but then the majority just Exploding. left, you know, like it, it just continued on because it was just glancing the atmosphere. So you think that the 
but I don't, I have no idea. Like that was just what I thought was. <laughs> but that's what's fun about this. And I even saw a diagram where somebody had like this angle thing and they're showing, you know, well, if it comes it at this angle. Degrees, a 30 degree angle, yes. And so it, that was what I was thinking primarily just because of this diagram and that they were saying there are multiple sounds, you know, yes. like, like there was and not it just took one. time. Like, yeah, it took time between when the gigantic flash happened to when these artillery sounds happen, but the but, sound is slower. Right, and and you can do some math on that. Because mm-hmm. somebody, and keep in mind, this isn't, you know, scientific math. This is somebody's recollection. Mm-hmm. He said the sound was 10 minutes after. Yes. And that 10 minutes would be like 120 miles or something. Oh, wow. So, in theory, they're hearing this sound 120 mm-hmm. miles from where it went off, which makes me think, you know, what, what are the people underneath, you know, like, oh, are, are there any some, of them that can still hear? I have some fascinating witness accounts. I, I heard one. Mm. What, what was yours? So I'm just going to read these. I'm just, I'm just going to take what I have and just read them. So this is the testimony. I'm actually going to go back to the, the more right on time ones because this one's sort of later. Because they have some that they collected many years later and some that they collected on the years. So, um... In on July thirteenth of two of nineteen oh eight, so same year, a couple months later still, um, or a month later, there. This is a newspaper that happened close, and it was I can't say these Russian words, but Kazimskovsky Village, right? <laughs> Who knows? Probably just butchered that. So and it and it read in the newspaper on the seventeenth, an unusual atmospheric event was observed. So 17th of June at 743, which is not the same time that that somebody else said the noise akin to a strong wind was heard immediately afterward. A horrific thump sounded, followed by an earthquake that literally shook the buildings as if there was a large log, as if hit by a large log or a heavy rock. The first thump was followed by a second and then a third. Then the intervals between the first and the third thumps was accompanied by an unusual underground rattle, similar to a railway upon which dozens of trains are traveling at the same time. So like an earthquake, right? Because earthquakes kind of sound like a train. Afterwards, for for five to six minutes, an exact likeness of artillery fire was heard. Fifty to sixty salves in short equal intervie- intervals which got progressively weaker after one and a half to two minutes one of the barrages six or more thumps were heard like a cannon firing but individual loud and accompanied by tremors the sky at first sight appeared to be clear there was no wind no clouds and upon closer inspection to the north where most of the thumps were heard, there was an ashen cloud seen near the horizon which kept getting smaller and more transparent and possibly around 2 to 3 p.m. was completely disappeared. So there was a cloud from 8 o'clock in the morning <laughs> till 3 p.m. So then in, on July 27th, the Siberian Life newspaper just had a small little statement that said when the meteorite fell strong tremors in the ground were observed near the lovett village of kaznik oh my gosh there's more words here i can't (laughs) say and two strong explosions were heard as if from large caliber artillery so then on the july 2nd the cyber newspapers this is even earlier than the others 1908 said on the morning of the 17th of june around 9 a.m which is a completely different time, right, than the others. But it's also a long time ago. They live in the in the middle of nowhere, so maybe people didn't have many yeah, I don't of think the they same the... clocks matched yep. up. <laughs> we observed an unusual natural occurrence in the North Karolinsky village. The peasants saw to the northwest, rather high above the horizon, some strange, bright, impossibly to impossible to look at, bluish-white heavenly body, which for ten minutes dove downwards. 
the body appeared as a pipe or a cylinder. The sky was cloudless. Only a dark cloud was observed in the general direction of the bright body. It was hot and dry. As the body neared the ground or the forest, a bright body seemed to smudge and then turned into a giant billow of black smoke and a loud knocking, not thunder, was heard as if the large stone were if, as if large stones were falling or artillery was fired. All buildings shook. At the same time, the cloud began in emitting flames of uncertain shapes. All villagers were stricken with panic and took to the streets. Women cried, thinking it was the end of the world. The author of these lines was, meantime, in the forest about four versts, which is 6.4 kilometers north of the town, and heard to the northeast some kind of artillery barrage that repeated in intervals of 15 minutes at least 10 times. And this is where um, the glass shook, but it doesn't talk about it breaking. So these are already very fascinating, but the next was taken down as a witness record in 1926. And this is the most fascinating of all of them to me because this is um, a personal account by someone who'd been young at the time. Yeah, and the Did reason that it's one? happening in like the 1926 is the Soviets uh, sent out like an expedition in 1921 and it failed like because this area was really remote. Mm-hmm. So then they put another one together and you know, there was a lot going on over there. They had, you know, world war revolutions whatever. So it took them a mm-hmm. while before they sent out to try and figure out what was going on. So that's why some of these accounts are, are very old, you know, happened way after the fact. So, oh, so fascinating. So here's just starting right in to the account. We had a hut by the river with my brother, whose name I can't pronounce, <laughs> Chikaran, I, I is my best guess. We were sleeping. Suddenly, both woke up at the same time. Somebody shoved us. We heard whistling and felt strong wind. Shakarin said, can you hear all those birds flying overhead? We were both in the hut and couldn't see what was going on outside. Suddenly, I got shoved again, this time so hard I fell into the fire. I got scared. Shakarin got scared too. We started crying out for father, mother, brother, but no one answered. There was noise beyond the hut. We could hear hear trees falling down. Shakarin and I got out of our sleeping bags and wanted to run out, but then thunder struck. This was the first thunder. The earth began to move and rock, and the wind hit our hut and knocked it over. My body was pushed down by sticks, but my head was in the clear. Then I saw a wonder. Trees were falling. The branches were on fire. It became mighty bright. How can I say this? As if there was a second sun. My eyes were hurting. I even closed them. It was like what the Russians call lightning. And immediately there was a loud thunderclap. This was the second thunder. The morning was sunny. There were no clouds. Our sun was shining brightly as usual. And suddenly there came a second one. Shakarin and I had some difficulty getting out from under the remains of our hut. Then we saw that above, but in a different place, there was another flash and a louder thunder came. This was the third thunder strike. The wind came again, knocked us off our feet, struck the fallen trees. We looked at the fallen trees, watched the treetops get snapped off, watched the fires. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'm getting tired because I'm exhausted for them and suddenly Shakarin yelled look up and pointed with his hands I looked and saw another flash it was made another thunder but the noise was less than before this was the fourth strike like normal thunder now I remember well that there was also one more thunder strike but it was small and somewhere far away where the sun goes to sleep (laughs) like I, I read that one and I was pretty amazed. There was another one that was similar where somebody was saying, like, it was so hot yes. that he felt like his shirt was on fire. Mm-hmm. And, and it just kind of blows your mind. Oh, yeah. The people who are living 
number one, in my head, I I, I kind of think these are probably like more primitive people, like technology wise. There's no technology. They don't know no. anything. You know, like they don't. They have no idea. And, and then to just see that and feel that you'd have you would have no concept of what's actually no. happening. And even in a religious sense, there's no religious explanation for that either. So if that's where they kind of went, how do you explain that? Yeah, like, like it would be the most <laughs> baffling thing that all of a sudden the sky is lit up, you know, the oh, yeah. trees are going over and on fire, your house is knocked over. There's n- almost no neighbors. And no explanation mm-hmm. at all of what could possibly be going on. Oh, my goodness. And then it's just done. And yeah. you're just left like, <laughs> that, oh. that stuff blows my mind. I do want to know. I want to ask Shakaran if his mother and father and brothers. Yeah, no out. kidding. <laughs> like, I want more information <laughs> on this. Because, but the I, I just find it fascinating. Because when you look at all of the craters across the entire Earth, um. And you see what size of something made that crater. It doesn't take like a gigantic object to make a pretty substantial crater. Um, So obviously this thing exploded before it hit the ground. Yep. But what and how come that's never happened again? Like. So it kind of has. Has it? So. It, it was a little different because something hit the ground. Yes, but, are you talking about the the so, CH? <laughs> but the the Chelyabinsk. Yes. Yeah. Yes, because they got that one on video, and oh, yeah. it, it looks exactly like the description that they explain in these witness accounts. So, so with the first one, obviously, this is a very remote area mm. of uh, Russia at a time when. Nobody really had technology, yeah. let alone the remote areas of Russia. It's kind of lucky there's the seismic anything yeah. to catch anything. But they, they've they gone back and done estimates. And what, what I had seen was that they were estimating that this was probably about a 50 to 60 meter in diameter object, which the uh, they called it an asteroid but that yes. it was traveling between 45,000 and 60,000 miles per hour when it kind of hits the Earth. The Chelyabinsk one, which you can see videos yeah. of, they that one um, was like a third the diameter of the uh, Tunguska one. So, but here's my thing. I mean... The the part that is confusing is the fact that there's no impact crater and that it exploded yeah. high above. But, I mean, you're talking 830 square miles of forest. That's That would have been like a 33-mile-wide crater. like Or the circle that was left behind would be about 33 miles wide if you have 830 square miles. Yeah. And I think they said it's like 34 miles in diameter, but that, that's, again, there's no impact. That's essentially just from like an explosion. So the, why is there nothing? There's not like, I don't know. So, (laughs) so they call them like, I think meteoric airbursts or something where what Mm -hmm. they say is that when it hits, it just breaks up into such smaller pieces. So the Chelyabinsk one they said that it was probably, you know, 60 feet in diameter, oh. and they actually were able to see uh, a, a piece that was roughly one meter in diameter made it to the ground yeah, it... and hit a lake. Oh. And it was weird because they're like, we got video of it hitting the lakes, and I'm super excited. And I, it was a really disappointing video because you watch it and you don't even see it. Like, you literally, it's, it, it's like somebody's you know, kind of, you know, their little ring doorbell videos sort of thing that's pointed <laughs> out towards the lake. And and you, you can't, it, it happens so fast. And so they're like, so we're going to slow it down. And they you slow it down to like 120th of the speed. And it still And you still catch. can't, all you really see is, so it's a frozen lake. And it goes through so fast. And all you see is like a little tuft of like, ice or snow or whatever going up and they're like see that was it and i was like 
Because I was thinking you're going to have this like massive, yes, you know, explosion. just this massive explosion. Even with the lake, you know, like you throw a rock into a lake or whatever and you like, see the why big. Is it splashing? And none of that happened, you know, and it was frozen lake. So I don't know if that makes a difference. Maybe it was shattered. It, it might have been the speed, might have been whatever. But they they show a video of them pulling the rock up from the lake. They And, and it's about a meter Whoa. in diameter. And, and when they went to go away, it actually broke into thirds or whatever, so they didn't get the, you know, but it was something, uh, it, it was a pretty, they said it was like 660 pounds or something. Wow. Um, but it was, it that Chelyabinsk one, which I don't think was even close, you know, to the same yeah. level as the Tunguska one, it damaged 7,200 buildings. It so, did? Yeah, 7,200. 7,200 buildings, 1,491 people had to go to the hospital, mostly because Because of of broken glass and stuff. When it was coming in. Yeah, when it comes in. Because of the breaking the Because of the shock waves and whatever that come down, Mm -hmm. it breaks the glass, it causes a ton of injuries, and and you don't see that. You watch the, they got somebody's car, you know, they got a camera in their car, they're Mm -hmm. just driving down, and they capture the whole thing Whoa. and you can watch it. It's pretty it's actually kind of a big thing in Russia to have a dash cam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, you know, that, it's unfortunate uh, that they need them most of the time, but it's pretty cool that it's they had it for, for cause, this. Cause people use it to stop people from, from false. Yeah. From crying. saying that this guy hit this me. Guy or hit whatever. me. <laughs> it is true. But, but that, I went looking at different um, craters and things just because I couldn't help myself. Because I was like, you know, oh, what kind of, what kind of impact would? Is there another crater that was thirty three miles wide? Like, and to just kind of compare what it, even though this was a blast, like, yeah, something something to to make it in my head. And, and there's some huge craters, like, but one of the largest. Um, that you can see is in Australia and it's the Goss in Gosses Bluff and it's about 13 miles in diameter and you have gigantic ones like the one at the Yucatan Peninsula where you know they think that's what destroyed the dinosaurs. Is I the, thought that one was in Mexico. The, you, chick, the Yucatan, Chicxulub or something. The Yucatan Peninsula is in Mexico. <laughs> and I'm thinking of the Alaska one. What's no. that one? I don't know. Oh, Yukon? I don't know. Oh, the Yukon. (laughs) (laughs) The Aleutian Island area. No, but, um, yeah, so this is the the same one. And they think it was a 15, 10 to 15 kilometer wide asteroid. And it left, like, a 92 mile, a 93 mile crater. Yeah. So, and that's the second biggest. I actually never went and looked. To see what the largest the largest was. one is in uh, <laughs> South Africa. Is it? And they said it hit like two billion years ago, and there's a hundred and eighteen mile wow. large crater in South Africa. Because I can't believe you normally. And, I would go and after my it. guess is like it's one of those that if nobody told you it was there, you wouldn't see it because it's too big. because it's too old and too big and too whatever. You know what's fascinating is when you go and look at these. You know, like what craters are yeah. still seen. There's one in Europe somewhere that has like a whole city in it. Because <laughs> it's not that big. But they just kind of filled it in. And if you look at it, you can see the ridge. It, I I have to be honest. I would kind of be afraid it was like a dormant volcano. Like, yeah. like why are you putting houses in there? But they, they did. And, and it's nice because they have this life wall protecting them a bit. It's now built up on both sides. But. I just thought that was kind of funny that they filled it up. That's right. You got a free wind barrier around you. I just think that that's so fascinating that they truly don't know what it was. And they can't tell. And it was so long ago and so remote that there's no, you know, trackers. Right now you can track a balloon that leaves China and watch where it goes. But there was nothing yeah, so speaking of, like, asteroids that they're tracking, there's one called, I don't, I don't know how to pronounce it, Adophis, Adophis. We're just going to guess. I'm going to say Adophis. It sounds better than Adophis, so let's do it. You're that. Adophis. <laughs> <laughs> so it's 
So the Adolphus asteroid is set to go close to the Earth in 2029. It's 340 mm-hmm. meters in diameter, but in 2029 they expect it to get six or 74,000 kilometers from wow. the Earth. And but they're they're pretty confident that it's not going to hit, and then it, it it makes you know these cycles. I think. Two cycles after that in 2068, it's supposed to get really close again. And you really hope that their prediction skills are on. I know. Because they're like, ah, we don't we don't think it'll hit, and we're pretty confident. So we need to put that on the you know prediction market or something to see if what I know what uh, people <laughs> think. But 340 meters, that's big. Yeah. So that would be much larger than any of the you know the chelyabinsk or the yeah, tunguska cuz that was 100 and oh kilometers 150 kilometers oh i'm sorry i'm sorry it so was the, 10 kilometers wide 10 to 15 the tunguska one i think they were estimating it's 50 to 60 meters this would be 340 meters yeah but it's not like the chilab yeah. which is good cuz we, yeah we'd like to not become extinct yeah, and as far as I know, there's nothing on the horizon, but I don't know. What I've heard is that it's really actually hard to spot them. You know, they have, like, this website that literally they've got, like, hundreds of charted asteroids Whoa. and when they're going to next approach. But my understanding is, it you know, they're really hard to see, so it's not, like, a definitive list. But there was also a, an event in 1490 that happened in China called the Chin Yang event where the reports are that people were saying, you know, rocks and stuff were falling from the sky uh, that were goose egg and chestnut sized and that they ended up killing 10,000 people. Wow. These, this shower that came down after one. But there's not a lot of information on it and because it happened so long ago <laughs> that, that there's really, you know, you can't go see the trees, you know, falling over or whatever. So you only have the accounts of of people. But that one was kind of interesting that they're saying, yep, 10,000 people were killed. And we saw these, you know, rocks coming down that turned out to be the size of, you know, eggs and chestnuts. Wow. Well, that was my interesting event. What is one of yours? So one of the ones that I saw or was looking into, there was an event in 1859 called the Carrington event. Hmm. And what it was was a, a solar flare. There was a, a an astronomer who was watching the sun. When did this happen? In 1859. Okay. And... The, this guy who's watching the, the sun, but what he's looking for, they're, they're like trying to track like sunspots and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Well, he's watching it and he sees a, a, a big bright sunspot happen. And so he marks it down and there was another scientist who was also watching somewhere else and he marked it down. And what they ended up seeing was that after this event happened, 18 hours after they observed the bright sunspot, all of a sudden some crazy stuff started happening on Earth. And so this is, keep in mind, 1859, there's not a lot of electrical stuff going on, but they do have telegrams. You know, they got these telegraph stations. And the way they would work is they would hook them up to batteries and tap out their little thing. Have you seen how those batteries are made? Uh, They're like just jars of chemicals that are under the table. (laughs) So the... The, these people who are working the telegraphs are talking to each other, and they got the conversations, and they're they're talking through the telegraphs, and they're like, "I'm not hooked up to the battery right now." <gasps> they, they they are able to send these communications through the telegraph because what happened with when these solar flares go off, essentially what the solar flare is is there's like an larger-than-Earth-sized explosion that kind of happens on the edge of the sun. And all Ooh. what happens when that goes is it uh, causes 
these particles, electron particles and charged particles to shoot out wherever, you know, from the explosion. So it happens all the time. You know, the Earth is constantly getting hit with right. these particles. But when there's an explosion, it's like an additional amount coming at you so much faster. So the explosion propels them much faster than they would normally go. And when they come and hit the Earth, they the Earth's got its magnetic field yep. that, that blocks a lot of the stuff. Well, it pushes against that to the point where it pushes through the magnetic field and pushes the magnetic field. And essentially what would, could potentially happen if an event like that were to happen now, mm-hmm. it would be kind of like an EMP oh, shockwave no. thing. And they did a study in 2013 saying, well, what if this happened again? They said, yeah, it would probably cause about $2.3 trillion in damage if it hit So no big deal. That's like what, that's what we do. That's right. (laughs) That's like a one. Just don't have it hit Taiwan where we get all of our chips replaced. (laughs) Yeah. And they're saying, you know, it could take months to get the, um, you know, power back on essentially sure. to get the grid back up if Whoa. if something like this were to happen. And it, it is interesting too because you can potentially, you know, because the light travels faster than the particles, the particles are traveling from 18, the explosion. Yeah, 18 hours. You got potentially 18 hours to react. And so they're potentially, you Whoa. can start saying, all right, shut stuff down, you know, put, you know, Put your tinfoil hat on, you know, whatever. Cover, get cover ready. all your stuff with tinfoil as well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's but it, something that's supposed to be able to protect from that. What is, I don't, can't remember what it's called. Um, there's a, like a, I think the Faraday cage. Yes, a Faraday cage. So, yeah, it's mostly, I, I think you have kind of a, a metal wire sort of cage that kind of absorbs the electrical energy. I wonder energy. if it could from the sun. That so means... I think you can, but I'm basing that mostly off of supposedly the U.S. has a lot of shielded technology that can withstand EMP oh, stuff. That's good. So they have it in a lot of their military equipment and planes and mm-hmm. stuff like that so that if something were to happen, they'd still be functioning. But That's still not going to do anything for the average Joe. Yeah, for the average Joe. Mm-hmm. And what they said, like, it's not really harmful to people, you know, like it, it'll go right through it. But anywhere, if there's like a coil of wires, it, it would be essentially like running electricity, you know, through it. And you'll get explosions and you'll get electrocution. Yeah. And then all your electrical equipment will potentially just be damaged, yeah. you know, any sort of chips or anything like that. So it, it's kind of crazy, but it starts with the these solar flares and then coronal mass ejection is what they call the particles that come with it. So the solar flare is kind of the bright, you know, that's the light. And then the coronal mass ejection is the charged particles that come. Does the ozone stop any of these particles or is that? I didn't think the ozone stopped these. I think it's mostly just the the magnetic field that Mm -hmm. does. So the ozone, I think, was more like a radiation thing mm-hmm. and the th- since these are kind of charged particles i think the magnetic field will, will mostly block them because i came across some fascinating stuff as i was researching the explosion um over russia and it was talking about how um there's an impact that the ozone has when there's a nuclear blast above land yeah that if um, or even Sarbamba, which I believe was on land, yeah, when they're that big of a nuclear blast, it actually breaks down the ozone, and you can have broken bits of ozone because <laughs> of nuclear blasts. And so I went down that when I was looking at you know different causes for or what could have happened. Um, so that I don't know. Yeah, but they talk about other times, like historically, I think they've figured that there were several of these solar flares and stuff that have hit the Earth, but it just doesn't matter so much unless we have the technology that we got now. Yes, and And that's what I meant from average Joe, is you're just like, you can't use your car anymore. Yeah, (laughs) 
And like they, the they said there was one that happened in 2012. So yes, when they I happened, remember that. When they happened, you know, the, the sun is so big and wherever it happens, it kind of shoots the stuff off in that direction, you mm-hmm. know, so the, the chances, you know, a solar flare goes off, the chances that it hit the earth are pretty low. But it has to be aimed. At right. The it has earth. to be kind of aimed at the, you know, it has to be on that side of the sun pointing towards that us and, you know, able to hit us. But uh, they, they say, yeah, the, the solar flares, you know, they happen all the time. But most of the time we're not affected because, you know, just probability, the chances that that's aimed at us are really low. But It'll be fascinating. Going down these these rabbit holes or areas that we go down all the time, it is kind of fascinating to just see just how on the edge and brink of collapse yeah. we are at all times. <laughs> There's there's a book that I've got called The End of the World is Always Near. Yeah. And it's interesting because it's just this guy who's gone and, you know, plagues and, you know, mm-hmm. all these natural disasters and all, you know, it, it's amazing that we're still alive and here because so many crazy things happen. But It is. It really is. And, you, you know, it, it's almost comforting instead of, like, terrifying. Yeah. Because you're like, just how many times that we've not had everything crumble in on itself and and even yeah even when some of the biggest craziest things you know have happened we we still end up you know we're we're here today and the way we live now we managed we we made it through but the other interesting thing about that carrington event was the because the magnetic field gets pushed or whatever the uh the aurora borealis effect was happening everywhere because People were essentially, they, they were talking about, you know, gold miners are waking up in the middle of the night going, oh, it's dawn, time to get to work because oh, no. it's so bright to them. Like uh-huh. it really was so bright to most of the world in the middle of the night that people didn't know what was going on. Well, I wonder too about the Tunguska, you know. Yeah. The, the disruption of the atmosphere or something like because of the comet coming in or or asteroid but i i'm not sure because i mean you think that people in scandinavia would know what the northern lights were like so maybe it wasn't yeah i don't my guess with that one is that it was more like if you watch the chelyabinsk thing you can see kind of like that person was saying like a pipe you see this long but they said it was the day after it was for the next few days after i thought that was the clouds but i I didn't think it was light. I said it was light. Cause I, it was, I thought the light only lasted like a couple minutes. But they said that at nighttime, nighttime didn't come. It was so bright, nighttime didn't come. And they just didn't have night come that night. See, yeah, I don't remember reading that. I just remember reading them something saying like they had photographs of where at, at night. Yeah. And so I just assumed that it was just this small period of time. But Well, it happened at 7 in the morning in Russia. And so by the time you hit Scandinavia, you're only a few hours off. So yeah, it yeah, is I... dark. So it could have been, I suppose. But that's... Yeah, um, but it, it, I, I just thought that that was pretty amazing that, at, you know, at the time, the event was kind of impressive. You know, these people are seeing strange things happen, like the uh, telegraphs are able to communicate without any, you know, source of electricity, but... If something like that were to happen now, like they, they're saying, you know, satellites would be knocked out of the sky. We'd have the grid go down. All sorts of other crazy things. But so, did you have another one that you wanted? I did to? have another one. All right. I thought this one was really fascinating, and I don't go into much detail on it. Definitely no long-winded witness events. <laughs> but in night in fifteen eighteen. There was something called a dancing plague that struck Strasbourg, France. And it was known as the dance epidemic, where this weird condition took over 400 people's bodies and made them dance without rest. And some of these people even died of heart attacks, exhaustion, or stroke. It started in July of 1518, where a woman named Mrs. Trophia 
started dancing uncontrollably in the middle of the city. Then, 34 people joined her. And soon after, it spread to 400 people. And at one point, it would kill about 15 people per day. So this is happening over multiple days. I was going to say, how long is this going on? It just kept going. And doctors um, realized it was not caused by supernatural powers, but it was due to hot blood. So these people had fevers. And um, so instead of treating them, they were like, dance it out. (laughs) (laughs) And they built them a stage. (laughs) (laughs) And so, doctor, it, I don't. I got this fever. Uh, I get on that stage and just dance inside my brain. <laughs> <laughs> and it's believed that a modern marathon runner could not survive this type of workout. And to this day, scientists are not sure what caused this epidemic, and they think maybe it was toxic toxins in their food, or like a weird fungus. You know how sometimes there are funguses that can infect the brain. And, or else maybe it was just mass psychosis. They have no idea. But in 1518, 400 people were infected with this dance fever. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be a movie one day. I can't believe it's not a movie yet. (laughs) And and (laughs) Saturday Night Fever now means something totally different. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday Night Fever. But people oh, that, died. That and is they so bizarre. Stage. Like, what? Because uh, nothing makes a lot of sense. Like, you know, mass psychosis, I feel like at, at some point you'd be like, all right, I'm too tired for mass psychosis anymore. I know. Like, I, I need uh, to sleep instead. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to keep going until I die. I mean, I could see this kind of thing happening as a TikTok trend. But uh, I that was actually, that was my first, <laughs> oh, they had TikTok back then. TikTok back then. It was people who time traveled. They were, and then they couldn't get back, and so they were freaking out, and they're like, we have to get our steps in, or we're not going to get our... Because that's how energy is going to happen in the future, is you're going to have to physically create the energy for your phone to work. And so they're going to be like, oh, we went back in time, and now our phones aren't working. That's right. They don't know it's because the network's not connected. They're 15, 18, just dancing like fools trying to get their phones back on. <laughs> and nobody at the time knows what a phone is. They have no idea. And nobody knew all these weird strangers that came in and just danced their little hearts out. It's kind of fascinating. But uh, one of my, do you have another? I've got one that I was going to bring up. You bring it up and then I'll I'll see if we have time for my. So here's another one that I'm probably not going to pronounce right, but I'm going to call it Lake Nios in Cameroon. Yeah. And in uh, 1986, they they found this area where. 1,700 people and 3,500 livestock were just were just dead. In one day. In one day. And mm-hmm. nobody knew. Everything was fine. The next day, they they find all these, you know, dead animals, dead people, and, and nobody really knows what's going on. And so when they go kind of do their investigation and they start figuring it out, there's a lake there, this Lake Nios. There's a village, you know, that's where the people were that was not too far well, in the lake, what they said is that CO2 is building up on the bottom of the lake. In this case, it was coming from, I think, volcanic you know, activity mm-hmm. below. They said it can also come potentially from, like, um, you know, Dead debris, animals. trees, you know, animal mm-hmm. stuff. You know, I mean, st- anything decomposing mm-hmm. under the water can potentially create the CO2 as well. Well, when it's deep under the water... It doesn't rise. It's like a soda bottle when it's pressurized. Right. It doesn't, you know, the bubbles don't form until you release the pressure by opening, you know, the cap and then all the, so at the bottom of the lake, there's a lot of pressure. So what they suspect is that either a landslide or an earthquake, you know, something. A meteor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A meteor comes <laughs> in and, but They'd it basically it. stirs the water up. So something stirs the water up. Or maybe the up. pressure just got more on the bottom it, and blocked. yeah it might get too high they don't really know what happens they just know that it, that co2 just builds up builds up builds up something releases it and it's so much co2 
they, I, the amount of CO2 that they were estimating was 80 million cubic meters of CO2 is released. I don't even know how to understand that. Yeah. I don't really know either, aside from it's enough to kill 1,700 people and 3,500 livestock. Because it's heavier than oxygen. Because it's heavier and it doesn't disperse very well. So it goes out, kind of covers the land. The nobody places. knows. No, you know, As far as I know, nobody would even be able to tell that this is going, aside from I think they said when this stuff happens, a lot of times you get that sulfur sort of smell. Oh. And so there might have been something like that that was going on with it. But as far as but the CO2. But if you're smelling it, you're in it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you and might not, not be able to get out. You know, this is 80 yeah. million cubic meters. Try and escape yeah, from 80 million go? cubic meters. Of, and it was at nighttime. And, and so it, people yeah. are sleeping. So people are sleeping. Nobody, they wake up and all nobody really knew what was going on. And it, and it was just the CO2 buildup and. So since then, there's a couple lakes. There was another one that it had actually happened before that where 37 people died uh, at a lake, Manaun, also in Cameroon. Same sort of thing. Uh, but what they've done since then is they put these kind of big old pipes that go down to release that it. allows the CO2 to uh, release gradually so that you don't get these big buildups. So hopefully they don't have these sort of problems in the future. I just think it's so fascinating, all the different parts of the world and Earth. Yeah, and with a lot of the stuff, like, you know, you imagine that kind of happening, you know, if it happens to you, number one, the tragedy is insane. Yes. 1,700 people just die, and and you would have, and you have no, no idea. idea. You could be like a foot and a half higher in a house, yeah. and it doesn't hit you. And, and then... By, you know, even if you had the scientific equipment or whatever, by the time you come in and start measuring, I don't know that you oh, yeah. actually see anything, you know. like because well, people probably... The wind comes, yeah. blows it out, all of a sudden everything looks normal, and you just have dead, dead people. Dead people, tons. And I you just probably think, think it was a plague even in the 80s. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure there's so all scary. sorts of crazy things, you know, that... I, I can't even imagine what people are believing is going on because, you know, obviously something happened, mm -hmm. but you'd, you'd just be sitting there making making up. stuff up. I feel like that's how a lot of these mysteries are. Is It's just you just have to make it up. Yeah. It, it would be mind-blowing to, you know, we look at it all with hindsight going, oh, yeah, yeah Tunguska, you know, it was the... Here's Meteor going by, yeah. yeah. So my last one is called the Dietolf Pass incident. Dietolf. I don't know how to say any of these things. You Russian listeners are I was probably say, we, so... We got to pick something that's not Russian <laughs> and we'll figure out how to say Russian you know, words. I feel confident that there's not a lot of Russian people listening to our podcast, so... <laughs> I could just fake that I know how to say it. So this is fascinating because in 1959, there was a group of skiers on an expedition across the Soviet Union. And there were 10 people. And one of them left because he got sick. And off they went. And there were two females in the group. The rest are men. So they go off and remember the one guy was sick and, and left. So he's like, hasn't heard from these people. He's expecting to hear from them and he hasn't. So he says, okay, we need to go and check and see why they haven't returned. So this is February 1st and 2nd in 1959. So they go up and they find everybody. Okay. This takes a while. So they go up and they find the, this tent. And it's just a canvas tent and it has poles. And there's a picture of it on the Wikipedia page. And it's just this small little tent. And it doesn't have a lot of snow over it. But there's some snow on it. And um, they find that it has been cut from the inside. And there are footprints around it still. And some of them, there's only one shoe. Some of them are barefoot. And so 
what they find out is six of the group members died of hypothermia in various places in the valley. And then there's three that died of fatal injuries, like a crushed chest or something like that. So they have no indications that there are any other people in the area except for the nine travelers. The victims died six to eight hours after their last meal. And the traces of the camp showed that all group members left the campsite on foot. So even the ones that were terribly injured, all of them have left on foot. There were levels of radiation found on one of the victim's clothing. And to dispel any theories of attack by the indigenous people in the area, they found that the fatal injuries could not be caused by human beings because the blows had been too strong and no soft tissue had been damaged. So it's not like a knife. Like there's no wounds. It's just, and they found that um, the any of the documents that they released had no information on the condition of the skier's internal organs, but nobody survived. So... Here are these people camping and what they, they just started a, um, this fascinating attempt in 2018, <laughs> they exhume one of the people's bodies. Um, and it looked, it kind of said that their injuries were the same as someone who'd been knocked down by a car. So in 2019, they decide that they're going to investigate the incident again. And they say that the only three possible explanations, and, and this is Russia in the mountains in the winter, is that there was an avalanche, a regular avalanche, okay? A slab avalanche, which is when just one big chunk falls, or a hurricane in the middle of Russia. <laughs> Yeah. Do they mean windstorm? Because but even so, like, <laughs> like how do you get like chest injuries <laughs> from a hurricane unless you're like a tree blew? And... Yeah, you'd have to have, and you would think that they would be under the tree. They weren't. Yeah, under the and tree. not only that, you'd think uh, you would see obvious, obvious signs tree of signs. Yeah. Yes, and and you would think that that would also hurt the skin. Like, but there was no soft tissue external. Skin. So that's why they think it was an av- a slab out. Yeah, because that could just... It just falls on you. It doesn't... Um, because they're in the tent, maybe it didn't scratch the skin. And they had to cut themselves out of the tent and get out and escape. So that makes sense, yes. But um, they found most of them without their clothing on. But then the last four that took them another two months to find the last four people, they found them under 13 meters of snow. I'm sorry, not 13 meters, uh, 13 feet of snow. And um, they were wearing everybody else's clothes. So they're cold, right? So as soon as somebody dies, they take off their clothes and start wearing their clothes to keep themselves warm because hypothermia, you start to take off your clothes when you're really, really cold. So at least four people thought to keep their clothes, some clothes on. But it's just kind of fascinating. And they have a film about this, a documentary about this called The Mystery of the Dilatov Pass. So they've gone through, I haven't seen it, but I am going to be watching it <laughs> and go and explain each one of these people and what happened. Um, but it's just odd because it, it was so cold that they should have frozen to death far faster than they did and the they when they showed up at the tent they still saw everybody's footprints which means it hadn't snowed a ton and yet these people they found two months later it must have snowed sometime and then because they're under 13 feet of snow when they're finding these people and if they had been under 13 feet of snow because they'd been carried by an avalanche then why is the tent still there? And why well, here's can you the see thing their with the avalanche print? theory? You can make that make sense to me for two of them. Yes, but 
you're telling me that two people without any knowledge of what's going on put on everybody else's clothes and then happened to get uh, hit by an avalanche? Another avalanche somewhere else. Like that. Those those two I could see maybe getting hit by an avalanche, but the other ones that are out naked outside the tent, and they all presumably in different directions. You can see their feet prints with enough clarity that you can tell if they're wearing shoes or barefoot. And so I'm like, I don't understand, like, because you can't dress yourself when you're being shoved down the mountain in an avalanche, and you can't leave footprints either. So. I don't know. This one is just... So they said but there were no obvious signs of an avalanche at the location. So because it leaves certain debris patterns and because there was not snow up until the point that they went to cover any of those debris patterns because they could see the footprints. The bodies were found within the month of an event were covered by a very shallow layer of snow. Um, Had there been an avalanche with sufficient strength to sweep away the second party... Um, these bodies would have been swept away as well. And this would have caused more serious and different injuries and damaged some trees. So these people are injured, but they're not injured to a point where they've been traveled with some snow. They're just, but they do have compressed injuries and, and <laughs> internal. So they've been, there've been over a hundred expeditions to the re- region. None have reported conditions that created an avalanche um there there have been areas in which there have been avalanches but they've been like 1500 meters in different directions so it's just not built so and it says that the terrain and slope showed that they could have had that very specific type of avalanche um but the the tent collapsed from the side and not from the direction of an avalanche so it kind of like came in from the sides instead of from the broad side where the avalanche would have hit and so the footprints leading away from the tent were inconsistent with someone let alone a group of nine people running in panic they were all leading away from the tent towards the wood at something that would be consistent with a walking pace is this not so fascinating? I mean, I hate that the, people. The actually problem is, die. is, like, I have, I can't, I can't put anything together that makes any no, sense. No, because when they talk about hurricane force winds, right? The winds, it would have changed the snow, like, it, it, it. Their footprints wouldn't have still been there because if you have hurricane force winds, it blows snow from somewhere else and fills in your footprints. So I just don't understand. (laughs) And and from what I understand, in the 2021, they talk about how it was um, a small snow slab on the slope came off and and crushed them. And that is what they kind of have said, okay, yes, this is what happened in 2021. And yet I don't believe them. I can't make that fit in my head. Yeah, Same none of it wind. makes sense. It, you could, t- like, like I said, those two people that were wearing everybody else's clothes that were under the snow. You could convince me that, like, the slab four avalanche. People. Four people four wearing people. everybody else's clothes. If you said that they were hit by that slab avalanche, I could believe that. Yes, but the other people, like, that just doesn't and make a lot of sense. No. The traumatic injuries suffered by three of the victims were a result of their stumbling over the edge of a ravine in the darkness and landing on rocks, is what um, one group, I mean, this is in 2013. So, I mean, nobody's there. Nobody, this is all people looking at the evidence from decades and decades later, over a hundred years later. Oh, no, I'm sorry, mixing the years. Of the last one. I'm so I'm I, confused. I was say, My I brain is stopping. <laughs> I was thinking of the um, Tunguska. But um, so it's not 100 years. It was, in, it was almost 1960. But they do say, and this is one speculation that is kind of fascinating, that the Soviets would do parachute mining exercises 
where they parachute out and they um, have loud explosions. So that maybe these guys freaked out about yeah. these explosions and came out, but they also used like radiological weapons. And so maybe that's why there was a little bit of radiation on the one guy's clothes. So the USSR is like, nope, wasn't. Yep. For sure it wasn't us. <laughs> wasn't that. But for... They... Probably probably a, uh, a hurricane. It tornado. was a hurricane. <laughs> it was uh, hurricane uh, wind. Maybe an avalanche. I don't know. It wasn't us. But around the area, they'd seen orange orbs float, flying in the sky in the same vicinity, according to other witness accounts. It's aliens. Yeah, it has to be. And they're like, look, Mom, I could take the clothes out of this one and put it on this one. <laughs> alien alien children playing with the people. But anyway, that's just another fascinating one in which they feel like they have found answers. But the the dressing, like the wearing of the clothes, because paradoxical undressing happens in hypothermic people where they feel like the burning of of being cold but it feels hot and so they take off their clothes but it's just kind of fascinating that the others added the clothes on if they were legitimately dying of hypothermia as well which they did because it's undisputed that six of the nine hikers died of hypothermia so I don't know just a lot of weird things that happen in the died love pass but yeah, that's a strange one, one. One of many weirdo things that you come across when you go searching for it. Cause it's there <laughs> weird stuff. But that's my fascinating things. If you guys want to keep looking for more, look up the longest possible alien signal, look into that and the Burmesia islands. And then you'll find a couple more fascinating things. <laughs> Another one that, uh, I thought might be interesting is that there was a, a year without a summer is what it was called. And it was in 1815, a volcano went off. And in 1816, it caused the the year without a summer. So there was definitely a summer. But, you know, in, in the United States and like the Vermont, New York sort of areas in, in June, they had like five straight days of frozen, you know, ground, freezing weather. All their crops failed. They had more frost in August, and so famines. And it, it was it was interesting, but all right. I think uh, that's gonna do it, though. And again, that was just kind of a mishmash of some weird stuff. Yeah, we we want to research some stuff. We gotta have we had a good excuse to go after some weird things sometimes. Yep. Anyway, it was fun for us. Hope you guys had fun. I think Bye. That's it. Bye.